Honestly, I'm kind of angry. About what? Had a bit of a squabble with mum. You know what? I sense that you are a little bit cranky. She said that I should have checked in with my dad, who had hand surgery two months ago, to check how his hands were. And when I had mm-hmm. last checked in with dad, he had said that his hands were great and that all the pain had gone away and that after the recovery process, everything was good. He didn't even tell us he was going into surgery for his hand surgery. Mm. He just sent a picture of himself in the hospital, as I think I told you. Yeah. And so they were playing it down all the way through. And then last time I checked, all was recovering. Both hands looking good. Still a bit of like scarring and stuff that was clearing up, but no complaints, no mention of it. Still chatting once a week. How you going? What's new? How's things? Never mentioned. Got a message from mum. You know... It might be nice for you to ask dad how his hands are going every now and then from time to time. Mm. And I was like, well, how the fuck was I to know there was anything still going on? You didn't even tell us that there was surgeries happening when they were going down. Mm. It just felt very passive aggressive. Like, it'd be nice if you checked it out. Do you think that came from your dad or or was it your dad? No, it definitely didn't come from his dad. Mm. I just, I was like, well, you know, I'm not a mind reader. Last I checked, everything was great. Dad, if you're listening, I hope your hands are feeling better. If they're not, I'm sorry. And we'll let's let's have a talk about it. But so I did thought you send it was fine. No. Did you send him a message yet? No. Do you want to construct one with me right now? Okay, what should I say? Hey dad. Mum <laughs> had a bit of a Mum had a bit of a go at me. I thought it was pretty unjust. Uh, just checking in to see how your hands are. Hands are. Uh, I know you were joking about it the first time, and I guess that I just kind of dismissed it after the fact. After you kind of made a joke about it, but uh, I should have been. Maybe I should have been a little bit more inquisitive or curious. But uh, I'm always thinking about you, and uh, I love you. Yeah. See, at the start there, I thought, well, that's what I was. I'd planned to write, and then I bailed on because I thought it sounded pissy. Because I was going to say, hi, Dad. Mum asked me to ask you how your hands are. How are your hands? And I thought you were coming in <laughs> hot like that with me. But then you turned I it was. into something quite sweet. I know, but I'm to be fair, I'm a bit biased. I'm obviously emotionally invested in your dad. Yeah. A little bit more. You couldn't be angry at him for that long. No, I couldn't even pretend to be. Yeah. I mean, maybe, I don't know. I, I, I hear the, the point and mum said... Uh, like, I, see where you're, if, I see where you're at. If, if, if mum had said, oh, if, if you'd had surgery, we would have checked in with you. And I was like, but it's not the same thing. You said it was fine. I checked yeah. in when it happened. It's been two months now. There's been a pandemic on. You know, yeah. they didn't check in how I was doing and like my separation from my boyfriend or anything. They didn't show any emotional interest in my state of mind. Why do I have to care about hands that were supposedly fine? <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm just a little bit, I had to go for a walk afterwards. I felt a bit aggrieved. It's funny how your family can just roll something about your family just rolls you up. Yeah. You know? It's the people who know you the best. People, yeah, it's partly that, and it's 
it's like just compress. It's like going the longer you live, it's like going further underwater, and the water pressure just rises from all this years of baggage, and it gets really hard. You just like it, everything's tense at the yeah. bottom of the ocean. Yeah. Can I? Uh, since I'm talking about it, I'm just gonna I'm gonna keep opening up. Go for it, man. I do feel like. I mean this this relationship that I'm in now. I know it's young. I know it's 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 been four months now. That's that's not a very long relationship. I'll give I'll, I I hear it. I know it, but I feel like they are my parents are unsure about how to talk to me about it. I don't I don't think they 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 ask about how he is, which is kind, and they ask you know what I was doing, and I'll say you know like oh we got some takeaway or you know we went for a hike on the weekend or whatever. But I don't, I don't think they know how to talk to me about it, and I, I find myself getting uh, uh, hurt by the fact that I know the comparison to how they treated my sister's boyfriends over the years, and right. the interest that they had in her partners, you know, at various stages in in her relationships, and mm. I, I, I know it, it it's unfair because I live in a different country, and I know that it's a weird situation because we've been in pandemics and isolation and all this kind of thing. And I know it's also new for them because this is the first long time re- relationship that I've had, but I, I can't help but also bring some of that into the frustrations of it because it feels like they're wanting me to check it. Well, mum in particular wanted me to check in with dad when it felt like she hadn't been checking in with me. Right. Do you think, it would, is that something you would have expected though when you, would you, would you potentially yeah i mean i i i know that i know that it's new for them as well um and i and i understand if they're reticent or uncertain about how to broach the subject why do you think they are i just think because it's a gay relationship not because mm. it's homophobic but just because they've never seen this side of me mm, yeah yeah i can yeah, I, I think that. that I think that I have discovered in the past few years that I am very good at withholding how I'm feeling from the outside. Okay. Sometimes, sometimes for uh, other people's benefit, you know, like I, I feel like I'm a good listener or, or try and be supportive of other people and put what I'm feeling aside. And sure. other times, to my to my own benefit, where it was, um, you know more beneficial to not actually say or do what I was feeling. Um, and so I wonder if they don't actually know uh, how to react with to me being in like a new emotional place with someone or like having mm. a relationship or not, or perhaps just aren't able to see in my behavior that this is something new and exciting and, and that I'm, I want to share with yeah. them. I don't know. Mm. You know, my, my sister has actually just started seeing someone and she's 25 or 26 or 27 or something now. And she's never really, I mean, Ben and I have had girls over and stuff. And so they've been exposed to that in the boys, but with Laura, it's never, no one's, it's never even been broached. You know, she was, she never told us that she kissed anyone or anything, but now she's starting to do that. And I think my parents, having the same kind of thing with with her actually um yeah. and it's it's do you think that this is something that will is just going to take them a little bit to get used to and over time they'll gradually you know get used to it and start it'll start opening I, up I, a little I bit I assume so 
I assume so. But I don't... Yeah. I, I can't... I'm trying to, work, like, diagnose You want them to share your excitement. You're excited yeah. about the relationship and you want to share a little bit. About I want them to be interested in him because I'm interested in him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it I, sounds I, like I, both I, of you guys are in a... It's tough with the parents for you guys. Yeah. It's... Yeah. I just don't know... And I, I, I don't want to compare his situation with my parents' situation because my parents totally love and support me regardless of my sexuality. But yeah, I think that this is just, I don't know if they realize, you know, <laughs> I, I, just, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if they see it, it in me or if they know, they know. What about George? Does she, does she ask? George asks. Yeah, yeah. George is yeah, much more. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, that shouldn't be too surprising. Though, really. You might need Georgia to sort them out a little bit. Yeah, potentially. It just... Uh, yeah, I, I wonder whether, that, like, I need to... Because it's, like, a weird thing to meet the parents at any point, right? But potentially even weirder over Skype, not knowing whether or not you'll even be able to be in the country for the next year. But I wonder yeah. if I need to like get him on a Skype with me, yeah, and well, we have like a little a family meeting, <laughs> and just for like, well, don't have it a meeting. No. Definitely have alcohol involved. Well, that is absolutely not the way that it will happen. But yes, what? That's definitely the way drink. that should happen. My parents don't drink on Skype. My mum barely drinks at all. Really? Yeah. Huh. All right. But yeah, I well, wonder if just like actually seeing the two of us. In the same <laughs> same room, would, would go some f- way as to sort of like showing that this was a serious thing for me. Yeah, I think that's definitely, um, yeah, that's definitely something that might need to happen. Mm. But if you want some advice, what I would do if I were you is just bottle it up, just bottle it up, just shove it right down, don't address it. Yeah. Um, and just uh, just bury it, and then years later, you know, when your parents are dead, and you're like in just your sixties, you'll just you know go to just their, hate the world. Go yeah. to the um the pond where I sprinkled their ashes, and just weep into it. Yeah, poetically. So you got two very two very viable good options. options. That yeah, <laughs> I I I I am. Now, because this week, New Zealand dropped down to level three, yeah. um, locked down from level four, meant I did get to see Casey again, which was awesome. And I think in the aftermath of that, now that we have takeaway again, and now that people are going to work a little bit more and the bubbles are expanding a little bit, I am looking back on those sort of five-ish weeks of lockdown and realizing how difficult it was at times and how, uh, you know, wearing... It had been. So. I, could, I could see it in you a little bit, to be honest. I could, I could see it in you when we talked um, over Skype and I could, could sense it a little bit from you. Maybe it was partly with other stuff as well, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. yeah. How are you it's feeling now? A lot better, other yeah. than the aforementioned <laughs> hand squabbles. What yeah. about you? Are you... Um, uh, Fantastic, man! I'm I'm top of the world. To be honest, That's I good. sorry, I am. 
Um, I was literally thinking that this morning. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Sorry. Um, (laughs) I was was literally, really, literally woke up this morning and and I think I even said out loud, "I love life right now." Wow, I love it. I I'm so happy, man. Like, went for a walk this morning. I'm like, I went back to work uh, last week. I'm doing like roughly 20 hours from home. The work's easy. I'm not even doing 20 hours, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, I'm making snacks left, right, and center. I'm going for walks just to think. Yeah. Dude, I just went for a walk and just thought about stuff. You're like a like philosopher of old. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a man of leisure, that's for sure. I'm doing podcasts. I'm doing music. I'm playing poker online with my friends. Never been happier, man. I'm. I've got a little bit of a Stockholm syndrome now. Like I'm. A di- I'm I like the quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? you finally found your like uh, modus operandi, right? Like this is the way you want to live your life. It 100 percent is. Uh, if we, if I could, if the, if the, could just open up a little bit more, like a, a, not even that much. Like if the like world thirty degrees, yeah, just 30, like just twiddle degrees? that, just thirty that that knob and thirty degrees. Even if they put curfews on, stay in your house. Don't you can't don't have more than two people over. That's all fine, um, and yeah, I'm genuinely a little bit apprehensive for things to open up again. When it's on the news, I'm kind of hoping for um for them to go. Ah, the government's oh. thinking another six months. Ah, yes, oh, gosh, dude. no, 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 no. Well, that's yeah. that's great. I'm glad that you got back to work. It's nice that they uh, extended that. Um, 20 hours back to you and uh, yeah in combination with you know those other freedoms that you have it's yeah i totally get it that seems quite lovely yeah and i've just noticed how um how i mean it's probably all connected in some way to the sleep or something but i always had this like real tightness in my shoulders like real tight it would always nag me i'd, I'd have to go to like this chinese guy that would pay him 20 bucks and he'd beat the shit out of me and that would make this the only thing that could make me feel better and now it's just gone i just realized the other day there's no tightness in my shoulders i'm relaxed i'm dressed i've got to develop a little bit of a messiah complex i'm wearing sheaths it's fantastic man wearing robes sandals all the time yeah you do look Great. a little bit like a um a sith lord at the moment but other than that you know it's it's a good look yeah i You've got the pallid white skin of someone who's never been outside in the past month. <laughs> in my head, I was thinking I was looking like Jesus, but yeah, no, you're right. Sith you know Lord what you is, look. You, 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 what you look like is fucking Kermit the Frog as the Sith Lord. <laughs> <laughs> That's never been said before. That sentence. Yes, no, it's an explicit meme. Go and look it up. Oh, it is a meme. Yeah, yeah. You know, I just got a message just then. How funny is this? Oh, From... took a snapshot. From uh, I need that Instagram content, dude. Yeah. It's really hard to create in, like content when um, you do this over Skype. I just yeah. realized. Uh, I just got a message from Dave Weber saying, no app this week. Oh, a little bit, weird. Little bit judgy. Little no, bit judgy. I, I, that's, man, the fans, what, the fans need us. <sighs> you know. They need um, us. Well, People we're recording early today. Maybe I, maybe I even try and get this one out today. Uh, do whatever you want. Take your time. Uh, but uh, Dave Weber, it's coming. It's, it's coming, coming soon. Yeah. At some point. In fact, what's that noise I hear? 
Is that the theme song beginning? Oh yeah, I it in distance. Welcome to D4, everybody. Oh, great news, we're back. No need to send us messages, Dave. You got your wish. <laughs> we're it. just two friends, we're in a bubble, and our bubbles are touching, not sexually. Sitting through the internet with me, Michael. Say hi, Michael. Hey, guys. Good to have you. And I'm Nick. Oh. Hi, Nick. Hi. Oh. I got a couple of juicy stories, dude. You got some juice. You want to squeeze weird it? Shits, some weird shits happened to me. I don't know what to... I got one, I got one like, substantial one, and I got one little, like, uh, weird one. It's not that long. I don't know. What do you want to do? How do you want to do? Do you want to, do you want to have a story? What are we talking about this week? I suppose that'll determine what... Uh, what, the job, job thing? Employment? Yeah. Shaping well, the... Well, I, I mean, that was just an idea. Yeah. I'm I mean, we did sort of just talk about the leisure of it all, but maybe we could have a, a crack at what, what we do with population and jobs and isolation and all this stuff in the future sure as long as you're happy to steer it because mm-hmm. yeah really yeah do you feel like you can waffle on it though i always oh, find yeah, it I'll, I'll I'd, waffle anything dude yeah i just always find it harder on a conversation topic like particularly with those techie kind of ones where i feel like i'm having to say all the stuff and you just say like oh yeah i know but i just i'm bit, i'm i'm a bit stupid yeah and I don't really know much stuff, no. so I can give you my opinions on things, but I can't really do anything informative. Okay, you know what I mean. I was going to cut all this bit out, but now that's that's quite actually good self reflection. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm in a real dilemma. <laughs> Why don't we follow on with what we we're talking about earlier and yeah. talk about jobs? Because I think it's it's we've talked about previously things like the universal basic income, the idea that the government should pay everyone regardless of um, their working status enough to survive. But I think it's kind of interesting if, to revisit this in this day and age when we have a few new factors in play. One being the pandemic and how you know a lot of governments have ended up uh, putting cash out to support. Uh, unemployed or people who can't get work at the moment. Um, and secondly, the idea that we are vast, uh, fast approaching the limit of how much work there is in the world for people to do that won't be automated or replaced. And, you know, how do we fill our lives? Um, let, let's start back with you, with your personal experience. You entered this pandemic you had no work whatsoever other than you had no work whatsoever right no i was just doing one day a week volunteering at the radio and that was still ongoing even through the isolation yeah i haven't stopped doing that okay nice so yeah you, you entered this phase where basically you had no work to do how did you find yourself psychologically dealing with that are you the kind of person that needs the routine of I go to work every day or I have the thing that the tasks that I need to do? Well, evidently not. Um, but at the, at the start of the pandemic, when we shut down and we had our, our jobs weren't secure and we didn't know when we were coming back and we didn't know what the financial situation was, spent like the first two weeks um, relentlessly looking at job searches and um putting out applications to jobs 
and basically just worrying and stressing about the future. But then once that started to uh, sort itself out and things became a bit clearer and, um, you know, the job keeper thing got introduced and, and then this, all, this stuff all happened slowly. Um, I found the stress just went away. So um, keeping busy, I mean, I'm, I think I'm lucky and I think you're lucky as well that we've all we've we've both got interests and hobbies like we've got quite defined interests and hobbies yeah and a lot of people i mean emma's mentioned this before she's like i'm so jealous that you have so many hobbies and things to do in this time and i found that speaking to other people a lot of people who are somewhat creatively minded are finding the quarantine quite easy and people that are less creatively inclined they are they're, they're the ones that are finding it quite difficult interesting um, yeah i hadn't i hadn't um broken it down into those categories before i mean obviously i knew that some people were finding it harder than others but i suppose that's true right if you're someone who has previously or uh, innately been able to create something or invent something then you have not been reliant on outside stimuli to entertain yourself right and it it makes a lot of sense yeah um and there's always there's always something like I can imagine that if you're just uh, all right, don't know what to do now. I've got I'll just put on Netflix again. I mean, I yeah, I can imagine how that would weigh you down. But um, yeah, I always feel like I've got plenty of stuff to do and the stuff that I want to do as well. So um, I can't even remember what your initial question was. It's just how it, psychologically it was, you were dealing with the lack of work. Uh, um, yeah, <laughs> pretty fucking well. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's. I mean, it's nice to be. Go- it's nice going back to work, um, even if it is in a reduced capacity, because it's like it's still it feel. You feel like you're contributing. You feel like you feel like you're earning your wage a bit, which I think is a little bit important. Even though it's a job keeper wage, that is essentially money from the government. Um, I think if I was sitting around all day, I, would, I wouldn't feel like I earned it, even though it's not like a. You know, it's seven hundred, six hundred fifty dollars after tax. Yeah. So it's not a huge amount of money, but going back to work makes you feel like you, you know, earning it in some degree, and um, you know, doing the doing the radio as well makes me feel like I'm contributing, and especially because it's like a community radio station, and they're they're doing something pretty good. I think it's uh. And they rely like on like volunteers and that sort of thing. So yeah, it does actually need you in order to occur. Yeah, I, I, it's um, it's something that I've yeah, it's nice. It's I feel like I'm doing something at least somewhat valuable, um, or I'm at least feel valued. Yeah, and still, so that hasn't gone away. Well, that's that's a, a really good lead in actually to what I was reading about in. Um, one of these articles here, which is about, uh, I think the title of it, the title of it is Fuck Work. Um, And it's talking about the idea that economists believe that there's such a thing as full employment of, you know, the the vast majority of the population who want to and can work ought to be working, right? That's what they aim for in a society or an economy, right? Yeah. But I suppose the question that's now coming very quickly is whether having a job is just, you know, self-evidently a good thing 
no matter how dangerous or demanding or demeaning it is, um, and no matter what you get paid, um, mm. the, the the idea that work is a necessary and desired outcome for a satisfied life, right? It's not necessarily, it's not implicitly true, is it? Like that's something that we've decided on or encouraged in our children, you know, as a society. People have grown up with this kind of expectation, right? That you, that your job is defined somewhat by what you do. Um, yeah, that's weird, isn't it? Like I always found that weird when people say, that's, that's it's everyone's first question when they meet someone new. What do you do? Yeah. As if it's, I mean, obviously it can define someone and you kind of, you do get a good sense of who they might might be. If you say, what are you doing? And they say, I'm a police officer. That's going to be, it's going to immediately gonna give you, you yeah. think uh, I'm a painter. Yeah. And like, okay, well, this is a very different person. But it's interesting that it, that we are so defined by the jobs that we do because for some people, their job is their life. But for the majority of people, their job is something they do to earn money. So why would it have anything to do with who they are yeah and i think there's it's always interesting as well when you meet someone like so i i agree i think i fall into that trap of asking oh so what do you do you know and and that could just be like are you studying are you uh, working are you you know creating whatever but i think that the the next question which i always end up asking and perhaps not a super explicit way is do you like it? Like, is this what you want to do? Is this something that you're mm. passionate about? Or is this just what you do? And that that can, I, I don't mean to ask it in like a dismissive way, but it, I think yeah. you're right. Like there are two types of people in the world. Those who are doing the thing that they really want to do and those that are doing the thing because they have to do the thing. And there's not a judgment yeah. on either side. It's just, no. again, that's another level of insight into who this person is. Well, I, I ask people... What they I ask people what they do what do you do for money, um, and that usually people they usually be like what do I do for money you mean what's my job, but I feel like it's a politer way of asking what you do. Why do you ask it that way and why do you not ask the positive inverse which is like what are you most invested in or what are you most excited about you know what. What part of your life are you most into? Like that sort of thing. Because I really just want the best of both worlds because I actually do want to know what they do for money. (laughs) Because it helps me know who they are. (laughs) (laughs) But I want to be nice about it. Oh, can you get me into your dog walking ring? Because I have a Saturday free and I would love to take four poodles out and just make a cool lady. Actually, did you say that just before? Maybe like if if you said... Hi, nice to meet you. What are you? What are your hobbies? Yeah, it's creepy. Interesting. No, I didn't suggest that. Hi, how are you? What, what do you are like your to hobbies? do for fun? What do you like to do for fun? I, uh, we, it depends like how it's delivered. <laughs> it kind it's of delivered is a from bit, me. Yeah, mm. it, it could be like a speed dating kind of cliche, but yeah, like if if there was a flip side where it's like what are you most passionate about? You know, that sounds a little bit... It's um, too intense. Hoity-toity. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, so the the, uh, the upshot of this article was basically saying that we're very quickly approaching this um, this sort of stage of, of society and economy, which is that 
the lack of jobs that are going to be out there and the increasing population is going to force people to ask, what do you do if you don't have a job, right? Like what comes after work? Um, If it didn't have to be the case that you had this external responsibility that sort of organized your hours, the thing that got you up in the morning and you know, went to the office or to the restaurant, even if you hated it. What What are we going to do with people <laughs> going forward to fill their lives, right? Like, are, are people, do we need to create, like, imaginary jobs, pointless jobs, just to have someone come in and push a button just well, to fill their hours, right? Do you think it's inherently true that... Working for something um, does create a sense of uh, satisfaction in life. I mean, that seems inherently true to me. Like, what it feels better, kind of like what I, what I was saying before. It feels better rather than someone give you money. It feels better to work and then someone give you money. Do you agree with that? It depends on the context, right? Like, people feel good. Uh, it feels good to have done something. I agree. But at the same time, it depends what the done is. Like if, if what the done is, is it, you know, stacking really heavy boxes onto a warehouse shelf for Amazon for 14 hours, Mm. you've done something with your day, but is that going to feel good? Not if you're being paid like $8 an hour. And at the end of the day, your back's fucking broken. Yeah. But, and at the same token, like if someone walked up to you on the street and said, Hey, did you drop this? Here's five and a half thousand dollars. And you say, great, thank you. Now I have five and a half thousand dollars. Like you're going to feel good that way without having done anything. So yeah, it's not implicitly true that work equals satisfaction. For many yeah. people, it doesn't. But there's also this other thing of um, contributing to the community or society as well. Yeah. Um, that seems like it would be inherently true if you reduce that back to like caveman days, you know, it feels like if we're in a smaller tribe, you'd want to actually do something functional within the community in order to earn your value. That seems. Yeah. No, uh, that I agree with. Yeah. If you can see the outcome, but then you've got like others. social, like social media managers out there. Just, thinking, <laughs> you know, are you feeling like you're contributing to the community here? Yeah. Uh, if if you can see an outcome for your work, I think that matters, yeah. right? If you know what it is you're working towards and you yeah. value that outcome, if you're doing a thing for a corporation that doesn't care about you or for a, a, a job that you can see is going to be automated in five years' time or for a purpose which is like actively evil to be a little bit hyperbolic. Like if you can, if you feel like you're working for a health insurance company and denying people's health insurance claims or something like that, right. That's not going to lend you the kind of satisfaction at the end of the day, unless you're a very specific type of person. Yes. Then at that point, it's like a game to kind of, you're like this um, Patrick Bateman type. You're just chasing like wall street guys who just chase money because it's like a just a game yeah and but i mean they're their own god i don't think that everyone that works on like a health insurance phone line is like a a psychopath i think there are people 
be people there who are just took a job because they had to take a job because they had to pay bills and they are you know stuck between a rock and a hard place where they need to say no to someone because that's the company policy but instead they just get abused for it and feel terrible at the end of the day like not everyone in those roles is necessarily going to be a making the money or be you know uh, completely dispassionate about it yeah so the um, the uh, the thing that we touched on earlier as well was the idea of universal basic income um, mm. to cover the basis of this and and potentially manage the fact that as we say there's just not enough work for people to do and if work is the way that people gets money and money is what you need to live and and stay healthy and stay housed and things then ultimately it needs to come from somewhere um, we've talked about like the UBI stuff on a previous podcast years ago. Okay. But I'm curious what whether your thoughts on it have changed and also whether you think the doors now open for it a bit more in the faces uh, in the face of this um pandemic. Mm. Yeah, you'd think you'd think that it would be a little bit. I mean, I guess in some respects, I mean the jobkeeper is a form of universal basic income i mean uh, at the moment employers can ask you to kind of work up to it um uh, but in not in in that's not true in all cases so some people are getting you know yeah i don't i don't know what my thoughts on that are i guess the question is whether whether society would descend into some sort of slovenly chaos of um, you know, just couch potatoes. I don't think that's true. I think if people, I think if people do did have um, some money coming through, I think you'd see like what you have now with the pandemic. People would have no choice but to find something within themselves and either get creative or they'd they'd eventually find their find their passion or they'd find something to keep them occupied but i do think i do think that um i do think there there would be a decline in self-worth overall Hmm. i do think that people i do think people need to feel valued and feel like they're contributing i mean nothing about the universal basic income prevents them from also working it just guarantees the safety net right right. so a lot of these people are not gonna have to make this choice between the two it is Mm. a thing that will save people in these kind of situations where you need to find somewhere to live or you need to have enough money to put food on the table that sort of thing Mm. but a lot of people would as you say need to find something else to do because they want to they want to be either creative or they want to be working or they want to be, you know, the engineer or, or whatever it is that they're interested in as, as a day-to-day thing. But without the knowledge or without the fear that comes from the knowledge that it is also how they survive. <laughs> yeah. You'd, th- you'd think that art would thrive or, or boom I'd agree. in that type of environment. Totally. And you would have a bunch of people uh, who did nothing as well. Yeah, I think that's also true. 
But you, the uh, the social stigma probably wouldn't go out the window. Um, but you know, I've I've actually interestingly seen a lot of social media posts, people saying, um, "Guys, remember that you don't have to feel productive in this time." Have you seen these posts? Yeah, a lot of them, and making a point of saying, "If you want to just do nothing, just do nothing." What do you think about those? That kind of message? I think I think it's true. I I mean I've been seeing um, posts just like that as well, both small and then also long form like essays style um from like psychologists and things explaining like what the kind of isolation the kind of generalized anxiety that what those symptoms can manifest as right Mm. and a lot of them were saying that feeling lethargic or feeling you know pressured to do things but unable to be motivated to do it those are symptoms of an anxiety which has been (laughs) liberally spread across the entirety of a society because Mm. there's like a a literal health crisis going on yeah so i'm sympathetic to that argument and i i know that it has been hard for people to um work from home um finding that the space that they had previously been able to treat as the refuge from you know a day's work or the relaxation zone at the end of the night now having to find a way to turn the place which is meant to be relaxing into a place which is now productive is really difficult for a lot of people yeah so i mean i i'm i've been in a situation where i've had a couple of years to practice at that before it kicked in but it's definitely it takes some effort to be able to work from home yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, I guess you, you guess you haven't really your your workload by the sounds of it has increased if anything, but yeah, it, there is there is that thing, especially in the first few weeks of the uh, quarantine, that it was like you do feel this weird like all right, I need to be doing something, hmm. and that was that was it, it personally probably born from. Um, uh, unsecure future for whatever reason. So it was like, all right, I need to get up at, you know, nine and start looking for jobs between these and, and putting out applications. But that urgency and that feeling of, I can, I'm not, if I, if I watch, if I watch TV during the day ever, I feel so shit about myself. Yeah. Like I, I, ref- I would just won't be able to do it. Yeah. Uh, and it's weird that that comes like it's either coming from society or myself or my dad or something. <laughs> um, but it's a it's a strange it's a strange feeling when you've I, got nothing to do. Yeah, I um I I have the exact same thing. Like I would I I don't watch TV during the day because I I yeah I, I just feel like I need to be I need to have earned yeah the relaxation. So I haven't done anything yet today, so I don't get to watch TV during the day. There are yeah. very, very, very rare exceptions to that. Um, same thing with like playing games. I don't tend to play games too much, except Animal Crossing right now. Oh my god! Uh, but I don't tend to play them during the week uh, for whatever reason. Just my mentality is not like I'm going to go play a game today because it's a weekday, and I, I'll yeah. do that on the weekend. 
And I know that that's arbitrary. And as I say, there are exceptions. I've been playing a lot of Animal Crossing at the moment, which is predicated on going on every day. Um, What's Animal Crossing? Well, I don't want to jump ahead to the recommendation engine, but it is a very good Nintendo Switch game, which has made a lot of people happy because it's very zen. And it's like you're on an island and you catch bugs and uh, go fishing and build your house up and uh, like plant plant plants and harvest fruit and it's just very calming and it sold like <laughs> millions and millions and millions of copies i love because that it, that's it launched, what games are now <laughs> it launched during the pandemic and everyone was like the world's fucking scary i'm just gonna go up uh, chop some wood and uh and build a, a log table <laughs> it's so funny that games have come <laughs> around like at the start games were like car racing and yeah high octane going into space adrenaline now it's just doing it's literally one of like, the things you constantly do in this game is weeding you literally just pull weeds up off the ground my <laughs> we've come God. back to chores Amazing. there are people listening right now who are like fucking animal crossing is the best it's a weird name it, is. it sounds like a uh, it sounds like a oh, social all of media the villages it sounds like a animals. facebook game all of the villages are animals so it's like a giraffe comes to live with you or like the an eagle. Talk? Yeah, they talk to you. You have a chit chat. Are you a giraffe? Are you an animal? No, you're just a human. Yeah. You're a regular human? Yeah. Okay. Oh, that sounds it's, fun. It's, it's the best. Anyway, um, I other than that, I I don't play stuff during the day because, again, it, it feels like I haven't earned it. I needed to do the work first in order to be able to relax at the end of the day. Um, mm-hmm. So if you took out that obligation where it's like i don't even need to work and i will get money yeah would i then feel comfortable watching tv in the middle of the day i don't know i i feel like now innately it's been too long with me growing up with these expectations of productivity that i don't think i could turn that off yeah i don't think i would be able to turn that off either what about this though what about these uh european countries like, uh, maybe is it France or Greece or something that they work, they tend to work less and they, yeah. are they happier or something? The, uh, some of the Scandinavian countries I think are the happiest in the world. And I think one of them has trialed a four day week, four day work week. Now they're given the third day off permanently. Ah. Um, and I think that's been rather successful because they've shown that people basically were padding out the work day into that fifth day sort of by default like if you i don't you might have found this too i i tend to work well with a deadline where i'll fuck around for you know a certain degree of time and i'll like write a sentence and then tune out and then do something else and come back to it and then vaguely feel like i'd done something but if i had to deliver something by four o'clock that day i can click into the mode and just like get it done yeah i think what they've found in those countries is if you take out that fifth day people just do the same amount of work but in Mm. less time um yeah so yeah i find that really interesting and i think health wise like mental health wise having that third day having every weekend be a long weekend where you get that middle day that glorious that ham sandwich where you get that four days would be so ideal that would be that's that would be perfect actually oh yeah um you know yeah, I, I I think that's I think that's kind of a reasonable compromise, right? But then I guess the issue with that is that productivity goes down. God, I hate that. No, that's word. what I was saying. So... Productivity goes up. 
or it stays but the same, but in a short amount of time. Right. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, well, I, yeah. look. Let me take you. Let me take your question to its logical extent here, which is that if we are approaching a world in which we have more people than we have things to do, yeah, and people are able to do the same amount of work in four days that they do in five days, then should we, as a society, employ people on like half hours but pay them as full hours and just get extra people in to cover those jobs? You know, like how do we how do we put to... If we've both sort of landed on the idea that we need to have something to do to feel productive and yet there is a finite amount of things for people to do in the world... What do we do with these "quote unquote" excess people? What can we get people to do? Hmm. Well, because get everyone to start a podcast. Yeah, I mean that's inevitable. We 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 define so much, as you say, by job. We it's like we value hard work. We value uh, it's like character creation, right? Like we think yeah. that it reflects on the person because of them going to work right yeah it does seem like it does feel like a really kind of 60s or 50s idea you know the removal of of jobs no i mean um i mean the the importance that we put on career sure yeah 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 well, and, and as you say, like the idea of productivity is being built around this sort of like American dream kind of thing where like if you work hard and you you play by the rules, then you too can get the picket house and like this is that's the necessary step to get to where you want to go. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> where the where the where the dream is what is the American dream? Is it I don't I'm, it's pretty vague, isn't it? It's like a... Is it specific? I, it's, I think it's that anyone can have... It's a, it's a Cadillac. Have a go and... <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's a 1980s Cadillac. The American dream is everyone gets one very specific make of car. Um, <laughs> no, it's I think like, it's, it's the a idea house that with anyone... a family and a job and thing. Yeah, but also the ideal is that you come to America and you work hard and you can get anywhere. You can do anything right. in America. You could be president. Mm. You could, you could, you know, be a millionaire as long as you just try and you and you work hard. You can do it because everything's well, fair in America. Well, where where a large part of the world you don't have a opportunity necessarily to do that because of uh, political corruption or poverty or um, dictatorships or something. I mean, that is there is. I can see how that is attractive. I think work was everything in our society for a long, long time. And I I think it's just interesting to note and to be aware of the fact that f- coming very quickly, work is not going to be able to be everything. Yeah. it's it's We're going to have to work out what else to do with people and allow people to feel good about themselves without necessarily having 
spent a day, you know, sitting at a desk or spent a day, you know, out in retail or, you know, doing something which killed those hours. We're going to have to work away. Uh, we're going to have to build a culture that allows for the possibility that people will just not have that option or that outlet. Are you saying when the robots take over? I mean, it's not even that far away. I mean, coming coming out of this pandemic, how many industries are literally going to be decimated? The the, uh. the do you think you know the cinema industry is really going to get back on its feet? I'm talking like the the actual cinema retail. Um, oh man, don't places don't right? Know. I know it sucks, but there's a whole bunch of industries which will not recover from this. Yeah. Um, so what 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 do we do with people? America has now 23 million unemployed people. Yeah, that's that's an insane amount, and they have <laughs> almost they the have, population of Australia. Yeah. It's probably going to outrank Australia by the time this is through because it's still getting worse in America. God. So they're going to have more unemployed people in America than there is population of Australia. How do you, how do you handle that other than some form of government support, which keeps them, the entire system from falling over? And then, mm. you know, these people are going to have to find a way to live a life where perhaps they never have the opportunity to to spend you know eight hours a day at a job it's going to take a real like cultural value reassessment i think yeah the next uh, the next few years will be interesting because this the mm. this, the effects of this shutdown uh will go on presumably for years and years yeah it's oh, changed the world uh, like the world has changed trajectory yeah absolutely it's amazing to have been here for it. Not only did we watch the world change course through the pandemic, we we watched the world change course with the internet already. Yeah. I mean, chaos. Yeah. The um the interesting little bit of corona news which I saw this week was that the South Korean CDC had confirmed that the people that they had thought might have got reinfected were not reinfected. It was false positives. So they'd um, the test that they'd done the first time around that had got them. Actually, I'm not sure whether it was the first or second test. Basically, one of the two tests that had come back and and said that they were positive with COVID was false, and that they had not been infected um, that the, that time. So the fears that someone could oh. get the virus, recover from it, and then catch it again still seem to be unfounded. There doesn't seem to be any evidence to suggest that you don't build the immunity from it. So that oh, was okay, a good a, a good bit of news. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah. Also Kim Jong un not dead. Not dead. Korea. Yeah. <laughs> no, this <just> wasn't dead. <laughs> I find that funny. <laughs> I felt bad for a I was feeling bad for that. Uh, imagine, imagine if you were the, the 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 doctor that killed, that let Kim Jong Un die. You'd be like, "Well, yeah. I'll just, I'll, I'll just go now. I'll head off." <laughs> <laughs> Political refugee to South Korea. <laughs> um, give me this uh, this juicy story you've been hyping up. Oh, all right. 
So, yeah, it's a little incriminating, but only uh, it's incriminating for my. Not, it's not like a criminal thing, but it's just a bit embarrassing. But telling this, telling, telling it on the podcast is. I have to tell it on the podcast. But I can't not. All right, so December 18, 2019, I was feeling particularly motivated one day and I was thinking, all right, looking, at, looking ahead towards the next year, uh, thinking I'm going to make some changes to my life, some things that I'm not particularly happy with and I'm going to really try and fix them. So I opened up a Google Docs thing and wrote Michael Zabrowski's 2020 goals. Nice. There's about 10 in, 10 in there. And all right, so skip to today. So I had my work Today's email. May 3rd. May 3rd. I had my work email um, reinstated because I started work this week. And I opened up one of the folders um, on my work email, uh, it was like a media and design folder that mostly I access, uh, but actually everyone has access to like the owners and stuff and uh, various other people in the company. And so I opened that up and what do I see in there? Michael Zabrecki's 2020 goals. Oh. Recently opened as well. Oh. And I... freaked out a little bit yeah um apart from just being embarrassing one the first one on there first on the list was find a job that you love oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god and i'm like this is there's some like glitch there's oh. some like glitch here and i went back to my other one i went to my personal gmail oh. went to and i was like realized that i had not only moved, I hadn't just moved the document into my, I had somehow directly typed out this document into that folder <laughs> that everyone has access to. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, I would rather have just like written some, some I jokes. Don't know, manner, I don't know. It was just like the embarrassment of it. It's like the sincerity. Yes, the sincerity. This like, was legitimately yeah. your private goals that you know, 100% man. believed and wanted. And they now were they're going to see. The, in Number the five, folder. follow your bliss. Um, so, yeah, and so here's the other thing. So I'm like, uh, Can you see who I accessed just, it? Or you just saw I that it had been accessed? I can't see. Yeah, I just saw that it was opened. And it had been opened lying there in that folder. For fucking almost six months, dude. <laughs> Without me knowing. And, oh, oh, man. God. And so here's the other thing. I can't delete it. What? I can't delete it. I I don't own the folder. You can't so delete it. I can't files delete in the it. So I've had to go in there, and this is where it's slightly incriminating because if anyone from work listens to this, they go, I don't want them going in trying to find this, but what I've, what I've had to do is delete the text re- rename it yeah and then just put in some like some boring shit that hopefully <laughs> no one goes into the, the the version history yeah yeah 
and we'll see that find. it originally started off as Michael Zabrakis 2020 Gods. <laughs> I even timestamped it for some reason. I just like, you know, it was one of those like moments yeah. you're like, uh, this is the moment where I'm going to change my life. So I just time, time stamped it. It was fucking 12.37 p.m. <laughs> uh, on a Tuesday. Fuck me in the ass. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. And uh, so I'm just like, if you're listening to this and you work with me, please don't go into any folders snooping around in the version <laughs> history because I don't want you to see that. Can't you, just, uh, can't you ask for permission to like have read-write access to that folder? I'm not going to... I'm not going to bring attention to this. I also thought about like just duplicating that document like a million times. How does that help? (laughs) Well, then if if I've got like, you know, 30 of those type of documents. Okay. So the, the, the replaced fake document, the one which had the version history, you want to create 80 of them. Yeah. And then they'll be able to tell, okay, it's this one, but am I going to sit through all 80 and trying to find the one which had the uh, the version history? I bet there's someone out there that would. I mean, I think but... that there's that wouldn't help either because you'd be able to see the creation date of the file. I mean, Emma said, Emma said to me, why don't you ask, say, I've just created a sensitive document in the thing. Can I have permission to delete it or something? Yeah. But I'm not going to do that. Why not? I mean... Because then um, they're going to go look. Yeah. I don't want them to look. I don't think they would. I mean, if I saw that... You've already changed I'd, I'd be like... To be honest, they've already read it. I know, dude. They've already read it. But then, yeah, Emma was like... Um, what were the other ones? So the the first one was the most incriminating. It was work stuff. But were the others like, finally, get my foreskin replaced? Like, are there yeah. other kinds of incriminating? Or are they more, like, innocuous? Yeah, the the back end of it was mostly foreskin related, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> um, no, there weren't like it wasn't like stuff like finally quit smoking for good and you know reduce your partying and um, cut back and drink. They they were the okay. safe ones, yeah. but I don't know. I'm too embarrassed to say to say any of them. Like yeah. uh, I'm trying to think of one. I, to be honest, I, I hastily deleted it. When I, once I saw it, it you was like fucking, I found a know, hot tamale. I you was know like, what ah. every single one of them is. Don't do this act. I actually don't. Uh, no, I know. So it was the job, smoking, blah, blah, blah. Let me think. Oh, I was like, get a solid financials, get some financial stability. <laughs> Shit. Why am I just fucking saying it on this? I now? don't know. Why are you? Why did you get me to do that? It was great. I've arguably I asked just you, told the rest of them. Yeah, yeah. I asked you what the things you didn't want shared to be, and you shared them. <laughs> I was like Emma. I told Emma when this happened. She was like, she was more mortified than me. She was like, she couldn't. She had to bury her face. She was like, oh my god, I can't take this. And I started laughing. She was like, what the fuck are you laughing for? And I was like, well, at least this is going to make a great story on the pod. And she was like, you can't tell you can't tell this story on the podcast now. And I was like, I obviously have to tell this story. <laughs> and then she was like, well, obviously you don't care about people finding out. And I was like, I do care I about really people finding do. out. But I also care more about having I a story on the podcast. I know a good story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, thank so you for your sacrifice. You're welcome, guys. I- Really die for my art. Good luck on the job hunt. <laughs> <Fuck>. <laughs>
Yeah. Maybe they actually. You know what's weird? Actually, I just think about this because I did. I did get offered a job from. I started a new job with them. Yeah. In around March. Yeah. <laughs> so who knows? Maybe, maybe it was out there. Maybe, maybe you actually secreted and, and uh, put it out in the world, literally, and the universe answered. Yeah, like let's throw this loser uh, yeah, a bone. Like, let's let's <laughs> silver lining this. I say let's be glass half full, people, and and believe that actually because of this, you uh, secured a more advanced position within this organization. I think that's not impossible. Uh, all right. Yeah. Well. I felt good. I'm Thanks glad. for listening to that. If you've enjoyed this kind of chat, well, I'm just glad that we were able to lighten up your days in what has, you know, been a strange few weeks and months in this world. Um, it's been really nice to have you listening. Uh, we've really enjoyed talking. Um, and you can find more evidence of our talks at deepfort.podbean.com. You can find all of the previous episodes in the podcast feed at Apple Podcasts or on your podcast player of choice. If you're there, give us a rating. Five stars doesn't hurt, right? You, you, they don't cost anything. Uh, you can get updates when an episode goes live on Instagram with DeepFort or Twitter.com slash DeepFort. You can find us at Facebook.com slash DeepFort and just get interesting articles when they come live or, you know, funny or witty thoughts that uh, spring to mind. And there's jingles on SoundCloud, and you can send questions and comments through to the mailbag at deepfort at gmail.com. Let us know how you're doing out there. I hope you're all doing superbly. I enjoyed your um your workout video, by the way. Oh, yes. Funny that you're... I, I still need to do mine. You didn't do yours. You promised me yours. I uh, I did I deliver on the uh, promise at the idea. end of the last uh, podcast, which was to put up an Instagram story. Um. A lot of good, lot of good feedback. I think a lot of people uh, really feeling inspired to do their own, you know, personal health journeys. Mm. Um, Your taking... mum watched it to the end, which is great. <laughs> yeah, I did see that. <laughs> <laughs> I think mostly out of concern. Um, yeah, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't think she was watching it for general, genuine workout advice, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Well, she might have been watching it like impressed, like all the way, like oh wow, Nick's 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 done better than I thought he could. I thought you were slightly more toned than I thought you were would oh, be. Well, there you go. I've never we never we never see much uh, we never see much of your skin. <laughs> what on the podcast? <laughs> Said Hannibal Lecter. Um, <laughs> yeah, I get. Yeah, on the podcast we don't we don't see much of. I've never seen you in a tank top. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't own any tank tops. Um, but you, actually, that's not true. You know, my workout singlets. But yeah, no, not my normal style. Not a uh, going to fucking festivals in a singlet kind of guy. No, I only I bought I got my first one a couple cool. of weeks ago. Oh really? It's not me at all, dude. It doesn't. Can you please go put it on? No, please. Oh no, I already I wore it on this. I wore it on this. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't I remember. think I did. Oh. Yeah, in the summertime, I did. It's uh, I shouldn't wear it. No, your thing. It's no. it's it's interesting uh, having shoulders on display. That's a part of yeah. the body which is normally not like not out there. Well, not on guys, but girls. Very sexy on girls. Yeah. I love a shoulder. Okay, that's become very. 
revealing. <laughs> That's so creepy. But, but girls have tops that like, yeah, ex- totally. like exclusively, yeah, just All show shoulders. the shoulder. Yeah. No. Whereas guys can show breasts. This seems unfair. Yeah, exactly. It is unfair. Great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, get your uh, get your workout video on there. I, I fulfill your end I'll of the bargain. I'll do that. Try and yeah. do that this week. Yeah. I was uh, been going on long walks, and I went on a walk last week, and I saw this woman. I often go on. I just li- listen to music or podcasts, like everyone does. And uh, last week I saw this woman, she looked about in her 50s, she looked like a kind of like an Italian mum, pretty harmless, like fine, like she was, she wasn't dressed weirdly or anything, she dressed pretty conservatively, but she had a little bit of a, a little bit of a look in her eye, I don't know, uh, you know sometimes you can, you get a little bit of a weird vibe from someone. Yeah. And so she's walking the, and I've just got my headphones in, and she makes a point of saying hello, and I'm like, "All right, here we go." Cool, ears out. And so, just kept walking. Oh, okay. All right. Then two days ago, I'm going for another walk. See the same woman. Huh. I'm I'm on my phone, I'm doing something, and I saw her, and I gave her one of these ones, like just like a nod, like hi, yeah. saw you from last week. That's yeah, quite a. Whatever. That was a conservative nod. Is that just for my benefit, or was that actually That's, the size of the nod that you gave? I was, my son, take my sunglasses off. Yeah, it was like a. You know, okay, so ones. yeah, and then yeah. Oh, that's a real Hello. one. Yeah, okay. um, and I go back to my phone, and all of a sudden, bang, she's up in my grill, and I'm like, oh god, crazy will never happen in my grill. And I take off my headphones. She's saying something. It takes me a while to pause Catch my up. Yeah. thing. And she's like, call my son. And I said, what? She said, call my son. And I said, who is your son? And he, she said, just call my son. And I was like, all right. I don't know your son. And yeah. I don't know you. Yeah. And she said, just call him. And I was like, I, I don't have your son's number in my phone. Yeah. And she said, oh, four. And I'm like, are we going to do this? Yeah. She's like, I don't know what to say. And I'm like, she's like, oh, four, seven. What? And she starts listening off the phone. And I said, look, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, I'm fine. Just call my son. And I'm like, why? And she said, just call him. She's getting angry at me. And I'm like, I don't... And I said to her, I don't have, this is my work phone and I don't have credit or yeah. something. So it was the worst liar. This <laughs> <laughs> is my work phone and it's not plugged in. <laughs> yeah. And she goes, she pulls out a purse and starts taking out money. Like, okay. F- takes like out of five. She was like, I'll pay. Don't worry. $5, $10 notes. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, look, I don't, I don't have, I don't want your money. Are you Okay. Are you okay? Do you need help? And she said, "No, just call my son." And I was like, "Look, I don't, I don't really, I don't really know what to do. I don't want to give this woman my phone and just stand yeah. there while she's just talking to her son." Yeah. So I, I was just like, "Look, if you're okay, I'm just gonna go, but I hope you, you know, find maybe talk to one of the businesses down there and get it, get them to call." And then, and then she just like swears at me. And this is a woman that doesn't look like. She's like particularly disheveled or anything. She looked like 
Yeah. I suspect she might have maybe had dementia, but it was like early. I don't know what it was. It was scary, man. It was like meeting a witch. But then she like <laughs> she swears at me and um and I and I just walk off and I'm like checking over my shoulder. Uh it felt like it felt I felt a bit bad. Yeah. That uh that this woman's out there. I didn't know I don't know what the situation was. She seemed perfectly coherent, but then uh maybe she's got dementia or something. It was yeah, yeah. It was scary. It's interesting you um you tell that story because I think I have the um, the corollary from my Ooh. walks over um, the past couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, so I was going out for a walk, had my earphones in. Uh, I was uh, around in my neighborhood. It was bin night. So everyone had their bins out. Um, and no, in fact, it was bin day. So it was the afternoon after the bins had been collected. And so there were still empty bins along the road. And... As I turned this corner, I was coming up uh, sort of to a, a T intersection with uh, two roads, and uh, I saw there was a guy in a wheelchair, um, tr- like fumbling with a yellow bin, yeah. bumping into it, like trying to move it, it seemed. And I was like, oh, this guy's, you know, trying to move his bin in. Um, and so I like picked up my pace and I, and I you know, sped up to try and help him with the bin Um, because he was bumping it around and it was like, it wasn't, it was clearly not very easy for him. And as I got closer, I saw that he was uh, fully sort of paraplegic. He he was in one of those motorized wheelchairs where it's basically just a hand and a joystick. And he had like one of those screens with all the buttons that uh, some sort of vocal synthesizers thing. I don't, I don't really know the full terminology or whatever. (laughs) Um, yeah, he's the vocoder. Some, the vocoder. Um, it's got like a mini keyboard. And yeah, um, but he was he was clearly like nonverbal and and pretty limited physically. So I I caught up to him and I said, "Hey, um, how are you? How are you doing? Do you need a hand?" And he turned and he looked at me, um, and I was kind of oh, like God. waiting to see if I would hear like acknowledgement and I like. I was trying to hear whether or not he was going to type something on the screen or like he, he was, he was, like I said, nonverbal. What time was this? Sorry. This is probably like four thirty in the afternoon. So it's still light. Still light. Yeah. And, uh, he'd been pushing this thing and it, it got sort of closer to a driveway and then it got further away from the driveway. And so I was like, Hey, would you like me to help? And then he just looks at me and just looks at me, just looks at me. And I'm like, okay. I mean, I don't know what what his situation is. It might take a time to respond. And I say, I've got the bin. Um, where would you would you like me to follow you in? And he sort of wheels around a little bit. And I'm yeah. like, okay. It looks like I'll just follow him away and, from you, away from me. Yeah, yeah. And then he sort of. So I was quite close to like we're at this driveway, right? There was a bin right at the edge of this driveway, and that was the last house before we hit the main road and he starts riding away down the um, footpath away from the main road past the driveway and so i i i'm walking and i'm expecting sort of to just take this up the driveway that we're at and he's sort of he's looking a little bit out of control with his like like it's a little bit of like a, a jerky movement as he's trying to get his um wheelchair along the footpath and he's sort of like veering into the the fence at one point and then veering over into like the, um, the curb and this kind of thing. 
And so I start following him and then we go past the house that it was and I look out at him and he's he's sort of sped off down the footpath a little bit and I'm walking this bin halfway down and then we hit the next door neighbor's bins and driveway and he's sort of still up there and he's kind of weaving around and he like he gets halfway and I and I sort of call out like is it is it this way do do you want do you want me to take the bin does he think he's you're chasing him? <laughs> I just so and then he like halfway the <laughs> yeah and then <laughs> then he's he's like he half turns around and he looks at me and then I'm sort like I stopped and I just paused because I like we'd gone past the house and I look at the guy and I'm starting to increasingly think that he just hit the bin and got stuck on the bin but he was just on his walk and he just it was just trying to get past the bin but had somehow not been able to get past the bin because the bin guys had left the bin in the middle of the footpath and so then I happened to be there at the exact moment and started I stole a guy's bin and oh ran and ran down the street with it following a guy in a wheelchair <laughs> So I got halfway there and I just sort of stood there waiting for him to know that I wasn't behind him and to like either confirm or deny that I needed to follow. And then in a very guilty frame of mind, when he did not turn around, I stopped walking and then I quietly turned around (laughs) and took the bin back to where it was. So either... A guy really needed my help moving a bin to some like hidden driveway <laughs> that was on the corner but not immediately by it. Who and then abandoned? I, I volunteered <laughs> and then abandoned him halfway and took it exactly back where it was and he has to go back and start again. <laughs> or someone in the house whose bin it was watched as I stole it, <laughs> ran down the street after a guy in a wheelchair and then brought it back a minute oh later. None of them were good outcomes. Wait, so you brought the bin back? I took it back to where it was. I took it back. I my I, I ended um, up feeling like this wasn't his bin. That is unbelievably funny. <laughs> I just I was trying to be I nice. Hope someone was watching you the whole time. Yeah. Just like, what the fuck is this? Honey, yeah. Look at this. What yeah. the fuck is this guy doing? What's this guy doing with his bin? Oh my god. <laughs> That's fantastic. Wait, does this guy live near you? Near-ish. Yeah, it was down the road. I assume you're taking a different route now? Yeah, I'll never go back there again. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>